Hello, hello, and welcome back to my podcast where I present myself to you all and I come out of my whale mode. For those of you who don't know what my whale mode is, uh, you can listen to the first episode where I kind of talk about it at the end. Um, But if you're here now, welcome. We're going to get started. Thank you so much for being here. I wanted to talk today about personas. Last week, I touched on this idea, or well, the reality of personas. And since I'm getting back into socializing lately, um, and also since I have started a podcast, as well as a YouTube channel. The handle is Presenting Genesis, just like the podcast. I'm thinking a lot about how I want to show up on those platforms, how I want to show up to new friends, new relationships, um, how I used to portray myself as well in relationships, um, what I used to be like when I wasn't, portraying myself when I was safe and secure and um, and how much I want to give you all access to. I have boundaries for sure in that respect. I, I feel as though certain specifics, um, especially when it comes to my sobriety, um, I feel like those aren't helpful to me or to whoever I'm sharing this with. Uh, I feel like access into certain relationships that I have and um, the specifics around those aren't helpful either. But there are some things that I think are really important to share, not because I think it could be a really interesting learning tool for other people, but also because for me, this platform is about vulnerability. Uh, It's about socializing and it's and I think parasocializing, like socializing online, is really important, especially now because it's it's an opportunity to be vulnerable. And I don't think that that aspect of parasocializing is um, safe enough for some people. And I, I, I wish that wasn't the case because we are creating a new city center almost for for each other we're creating these these hubs of socialization and vulnerability is a really important part of socializing it's how we get to know each other it's how we take off the masks slowly and and get to know who we're actually talking to past the personas but the self the person that we're talking to um and i think that's really important and that's my goal of this that's that's my mission i think of this podcast is to is to be vulnerable and to be proud of myself as well i think that's a big part um but through all of that through all of that understanding of myself i'm i'm realizing that no matter how i portray myself um whether it's here on the podcast or on youtube or at my job or in my familial relationships, whatever, I'm realizing that uh, no matter how I portray myself, anyone could say 
that I'm acting fake because who I am in those respective places might not be who I am with with people. Um, I I have said this for a long time, um, ever since I started to think more critically about the personas that I put on and, and who I was, that different people in different situations bring out different parts of us. And I'm making that a collective us because I think that that honestly is true for everyone. I don't really know how that couldn't be true for everyone. There's some people that we trust and some people that we don't. And even within the people that we do trust, there are certain things that like we wouldn't say to some people, certain things that we would that we would share with some people more than others, certain habits that we might share with certain people. Even if we have like two best friends, we act differently um, around around them, whether we're separate or together. And it's not in some catty, petty, fake way. It, I think just different people bring out different vulnerabilities in us. And I think that's really beautiful. Like we can't have the same relationship with, with two people. Um, before I really get into this, I do want to say that I am recording in my bathroom because lately I have been feeling very heavy. Um, I've been feeling so many emotions. Uh, this week has been really intense. I've been feeling hopeful. I've been feeling really passionate. I've been feeling um, excited and nervous. And to me, those are the same emotion. I've been feeling, or not the same emotion, but the same um, uh, feeling, like same sensory feeling in my body. I've been feeling um, full of grief. I've been feeling uh, scared and confused and and yeah, this week was really was really intense. Um, this week, this past week, is the anniversary of my father's death. Um, I had uh, whenever this time rolls around, I always am surprised when I when I still feel sad and when I still feel depressed. And um, I think losing a or having a parent die. Uh, when I'm when I was young, I, I was I was seventeen. Having a parent die when I was young, it, it kind of the grieving process just feels I think different than how stereotypically um, some who've never gone through that experience might believe it to be, um, because there's so many milestones, especially like when we're young that like not having a parent therefore whether I had a good relationship with them or not I'm like damn I it's not that I wish that that person was here but knowing that they're still alive is is a whole different um feeling so um yeah it's that's not something that I am able to talk to any of my fellow peers about I don't really know anyone uh close enough to talk to this about who has ever like dealt with the death of a parent so it can kind of be an isolating feeling and I don't want it to happen to any of my friends uh it is really painful but at the same time I'm you know I don't really I don't have many people to share it to so 
vulnerability, man. Like, it's very serious. But also, aside from the grief, I've been feeling really hopeful. I went to an open house today. I'm applying, not today, uh, a couple days ago. I'm applying uh, to grad school for architecture and landscape architecture. So uh, going to that open house was amazing. I got to meet so many people, so many possible future classmates, so many possible future professors and mentors. And that felt really great. Um, felt very hopeful in the future, very passionate about what I want to do with the future. Even if that's just a facet of what I want to do, I, I still, yeah, I felt really passionate about it. Um, in my job, I've been feeling very excited and nervous. Like my nerves are just kind of like bouncing off the walls. I, um, uh, I'm feeling very courageous in, uh, in what I want to do at my job. And I feel very proud that I've been able to do the things that I have and that I am, that I am the person that I am, that I am someone who, uh, likes to take on new initiatives and likes to try new things. I feel really proud of myself for that. I feel really courageous and brave when I am able to present something that I feel like could benefit um, the small business that I work for. Uh, but also really confused about uh, the future, about, you know, when I go to grad school, what's that going to be like? Um, you know, what, even less future than that, like, you know, how is this uh gonna gonna change how you know and am, am I ready for that change and uh they're kind of big questions and I definitely don't expect them to be answered right now or, or really ever I, I expect to live <laughs> the answers to those questions live the questions and then live the answers I think there's that quote I don't think it's Anais Nin but it might be I don't know something about living the questions um yeah I, that's my life right now. That's life all the time, but I really feel that right now. Um, but because of all of that heaviness and emotionalness, I am recording from my bathroom and I'm in the tub and I made, I drew a bath for myself. There's bubbles in here and Epsom salt. And I am, I lit a candle or three and I turned out all the lights. And so if the sound sounds like it's kind of bouncing off the walls and uh, very echoey, then that's that's why. But I hope it's not too inconvenient or annoying to you. And if it is, yeah, feel free to turn it off. Um, there's no hard feelings. Um, but if you want to stick around for this new vibe and hearing sounds of, of water and maybe my shower curtain or maybe some, some fire sparking, you know, be my guest. I'm very happy to have you here. But like I was saying before, different people bring out different situations and no, different people in different situations bring out uh, different parts of us. Um, whenever people have asked me, like especially this week when people have asked me how I am, I have to gauge for myself, like, how much do I know this person? How safe do I feel with this person? How much how much time do they have also? Because that really matters. Um, and then do I want to share? Or do I kind of just want to, like, not really talk about myself? All those things are really important. And um, I don't think it's about being fake, just saying... Um, just saying, like, oh, it's been an intense week. Um, I'm just feeling a lot of things. And then kind of just not saying anymore. I don't I don't think that that's fake at all. Um, and I think with some people, 
uh, sharing like, yeah, this is the, this week is the anniversary of my father's death and I'm really feeling that grief. Um, and not to see their reaction, but just to, just to be vulnerable, really, just to share it if I feel safe sharing that with them. Um, but I have really felt that different people in different situations bring out different parts of me, especially recently. These past five years have been kind of nuts, uh, just kind of one thing after the other. And uh, I've been understanding a lot more about personas in these last five years than I have it ever in my entire life, which has been definitely a lesson to learn, but also um, a really interesting chance for like experimentation and for finding, finding what feels really good to me and what feels really true to me and what doesn't. Um, in 2020, um, I was living in South Seattle at the time and um, my house caught on fire um it was so it was it was not fun obviously um but but what was kind of interesting was that this version of myself popped off that I had never encountered in my entire life during that um during that situation I was laser focused on saving people's lives and saving animals' lives. And not that I'm someone who puts um, myself ahead of everyone all of the time, but that innate um, reaction to that was so, was so fierce, but it didn't even scare me because I was just, I wasn't focused on my reactions to my reaction. I only really had time to, to react to the, the pressing matter at hand um and I was yeah I was very clear-headed there was only one thing in my mind which was getting everyone out safely and in one piece well I wasn't I'll say like (laughs) being clear-headed in a moment of trauma is I wouldn't say like the definition of being clear-headed um but we'll breeze by that that's for another time um but I knew what my job was and I knew what my goal was and I knew that my focus was on saving people. But I I think about that really devastating moment and I when I look back and sometimes I think about the trauma of that moment. Sometimes I think about how I lost so much stuff um, and how so many of my neighbors lost so much stuff but really the overwhelming thought when I think back to that moment was how proud I am of that persona like how I know I did everything I could in such a stressful situation I know I did everything I could and that that persona of mine I'm like wow (laughs) I'm really proud of you because I've never had to encounter that before now in the future which I hope something like that never happens to me again in my life Um, But if something, you know, traumatic and very um, quick happens like that to me again in my life, I do want to make changes. Like I want to think more about myself because in that moment, I honestly forgot (laughs) to think about myself and I only grabbed my my shoes and uh, I did put on some pants and my wallet. I didn't even bring my phone and my computer or anything like I made sure my 
my roommate um, called 911 and I made sure that my other roommate uh, who is deaf had all of their hearing aid stuff um, so they you know that's expensive to replace even if you have insurance so I was really focused on that I was focused on the animals getting them out and I was focused on my neighbors because they had just had a newborn baby and it was a very intense time but I was really proud of myself and in the future I'm like okay you gotta probably focus a little bit more on <laughs> making sure that like I have my things together but it kind of made me realize that uh, this public persona, this idea of like public personas, I think can really be vilified, um, even though everyone really has one, which is, I don't know, it's interesting. But uh, I think that public personas can be vilified, but honestly, they are not necessarily bad. Like personas, not even just public personas, personas like aren't necessarily bad. Sometimes they really do keep us alive, even if there is no imminent threat Um Sometimes they keep us alive. They keep us moving and going through life. Uh, sometimes they allow us to know more about ourselves. And sometimes they don't. I, I'm totally leaving room, room for that because that has been my experience as well. But I think that personas really can be and are actually a necessity for us to learn more about who we actually are, uh, for us to grow into who we are and to understand to understand that um i kind of touched on a lot of things just now but um kind of want to go a little slower and talk about uh one persona in particular that i have that i was just talking about that i've that i've come to know really deeply which is the persona of survival uh survival personas from what i've seen and and studied um, and observed they are born out of out of fear um, of the world that we live in. I don't, and I think also a fear out of being vulnerable, out of allowing ourselves to be soft in this world. And this world is really scary. It really is. There's some really horrible, horrible things that happen. Um, Thinking about it for too long is really heartbreaking and um, really depressing. And so it, I think it can be really easy to to stay in this survival mode uh, for a lot of people. Um, I think survival personas are the most fear-based. I think they are the most unchecked by us the ones who are wearing that, wearing that persona. And I think they're the most unquestioned by other people. And in the last episode, I think I just burped a little bit. <laughs> in the last episode, I talked a bit about how I think um, understanding is more important than, than knowing. Um, and this is this is partially a reason. This is a part. This is a partial reason why. Um, I knew that when I was going to my first. Um, well, actually, I guess it wasn't my first all white school, but uh, I knew that when I was going there, that I was gonna have to craft a new persona. 
not so that people wouldn't believe that I was black and brown, um, but so that people wouldn't, I guess, judge me for it. Uh, the last white school that I had gone to uh, was in Annapolis, Maryland. And that school uh, was where a little girl, I was five years old, and uh, we were playing together. And then kind of in a moment of, I don't know, like it's like she like woke up for a second and then she was like, oh yeah, my daddy said I can't play with niggers anymore. And I knew what that word was and I knew how harsh it was to be called that by um, a white person. And I knew it was wrong. And I think for some kids, like some things, like they just know that's wrong and not, uh, not in like a, that person is wrong for the way they're dressing or like those learned things. But I think like those learned things from hatred, but I think being on the opposite end of that privilege of like not being a white person, I knew that the way she was talking to me was not kind. It was it was mean, in fact. It was it was it was so rude. And so going to this new white school, I was like, oh my God, like I can't have that happen to me again. And I I that was very unconscious, that repressed memory. Um but I view that memory as a backstory for why this persona of survival was crafted. Previously, before I went to this white school, um, I went to a black and brown school and I didn't have to worry about any of this stuff. I didn't have to worry about how I was gonna be seen as a black or brown, black and brown girl. Um, and, but this, but in this case I did, especially because uh, there, you could count on one or two hands how many black people there were in the grade, not even like black girls, but like black people in the grade. Um, and so I didn't want to stand out any more than I already was. And I also didn't want to blend in either. So I crafted this persona um, where I knew I wasn't, I knew that wasn't like who I was, but I felt like that's who I had to be. And I knew from from watching other people um, at the school, watching other white teachers, watching people who seem to like move very seamlessly through the school um, and talk to people, but also kind of be chill um, by themselves. I was like, okay, that's how I want to react to that scenario. That's how I want to talk to that person. That's how I want to respond. That's how I want to appear. And um, I think people would immediately say that's that's fake like that is so fake but i don't know maybe it was like so what i mean i i think persona survival survival personas excuse me are are not real like it's it's all based in this fear of something that we might have encountered in the past, but that we haven't yet encountered in the future. But there's a possibility that we might encounter in the future if we remain ourselves. And I'm not, I think calling it fake or calling it real is really ignoring the true fact that in middle school, so many, that, that everyone, like we are only interacting with our most insecure, and scared and vulnerable selves. Middle school is such an intimate time. <laughs> Looking back, like it was so intimate. 
we didn't know who everyone was and we judged everyone based on their survival personas, I think because we were so scared of of being judged ourselves. And I think for those people who were able to be more vulnerable, um, and not necessarily like they were like crying all the time, but even if they were, like even if that felt true to them, like we could, I think in middle school and high school too, spot the people who were being more vulnerable and make them feel like shit for it. Like just make them, like harden them to the world because they're too soft. They're, they were too soft for us. And I think we were very jealous. I think, I'm even jealous, envy, honestly. There was, there was envy that we couldn't be that vulnerable either. We didn't feel safe to be that soft either. And so we sought to make others feel less safe and I'm not I'm not saying that like I was a such a I wasn't a bully like I wouldn't say I was a bully at all in in middle school especially in the like very sensational way that we all think of bullies um but I was insecure and I was really sad that I felt like I couldn't be myself and I was really jealous of people I was really envious of people who I saw could be like themselves um, or even like close to being close to being like themselves. Um, and I think, I think that is a shared feeling in middle school and in high school that uh, we're scared of being judged and not cared for and not cared about by the community that we see every day. And that's not even just peers, like that's teachers too. Like I was absolutely bullied by teachers as well and feeling um like judged by that community that we see every day is such a it's such an intense feeling and and knowing that all we really want is to be cared for to be able to be vulnerable to be able to be scared and not and not be vilified for that to be able to be hopeful and not be vilified for that either to be able to be calm and not be vilified for that um it's such a learned <laughs> It's such a learned feeling to to have, but also a learned feeling to allow others to feel and not feel like, oh, I have to protect them. I have to harden them against the world. Like it's uh, it's definitely a feeling that I feel is is not cultivated enough in in the United States culture, unfortunately, especially especially in schools, in grade schools. Um, I say that the survival persona is the least unchecked by us uh, experiencing that persona because it can be really easy to to feel like, oh my God, like I'm really scared. And to be like, yeah, that's just it. I'm scared. <laughs> and, and... And that's it. Like, there's just no checking that goes into that. Um, even if we do something that we don't really like, it's like, I have a reason for this. I'm doing this for a reason. Whether we can access that reason or not is beside the point. But knowing, like, this isn't even who I am. I'm just, like, I'm so fucking terrified. Uh, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the only checking that really gets done. Um, and I think this is like the survival persona is not just for middle schoolers and high schoolers and um, 
people, you know, adults and people my age and older. I, I, I think it's for I think it's for everyone. Um, I think everyone feels these. Um, I don't even think that checking that is um, an eradication of that survival persona. I think that it kind of pops out and pops off all the time. And it really does take a conscious effort to be like, oh, hey, girl, <laughs> I see you. Oof. <laughs> you are feeling scared right now. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. Um, but like, we're safe. We're safe. We're okay. We don't have to just uh, just react to things. Like, we can reflect too. I think survival personas are, it's really hard to check them because um, reaction is really easy. Reflection is not so, is not so easy. Reflection takes time and it takes safety and space to be able to reflect. And when I was, when I was experiencing a house fire, I truly did not have the time or the safe space <laughs> to reflect on like, why am I reacting this way? No, I had to get the heck out of there. Like I had to do the thing I was supposed to do, which was survive. And that's all I needed to do. That's all I had. It's the only reaction I had was survival. And there's no fault in that. And now that I am in a safe space and I am able to draw a bath and put in some Epsom salt and some bubble bath and sit down and reflect. Even if like I wasn't in a bubble bath, I, you know, being in my bed or just like being in my bed is, whew, that is such a safe space now because my bed like was, I couldn't use my bed. Like my bed was damaged. And um, now I like sit in my bed and I'm like, oh my God, what a safe space. <laughs> like I'm so happy to be here and I can reflect and any moment really is a, a space for reflection if we are able to create safety within ourselves. Um, even if we're going through a really traumatic time um, afterwards, you know, being able to return to that safety of self and reflect on that situation is a really, it's a really important, it's a really important thing to cultivate within ourselves for sure. Um, and I think that's a really good way to check ourselves. Uh, but I say it's the most unquestioned by other people, uh, precisely for the reason that I mentioned is that for, for the most part, especially when we're growing up, we are all only interacting with each other's, uh, personas of survival. And so no one's questioning yours because they're not even checking theirs. And it's a, it's a two way street that, uh, I think the older we get, the better able that we're have, well, what grammar? The older we get and the more able we are, the what, what am I? The older we get and the better we are at being able to have conversations um, where we not only talk about ourselves, but listen and, and internalize what the other person is saying. Uh, the better we get at that skill, um, the, the more we're able to simultaneously check ourselves but also call our friends and our family into alignment being like hey like I, I noticed that I've observed you know you in the past and in certain situations and I noticed that kind of giving off the same energy like is everything okay can I you know can I listen to anything that you have to say do you want to talk 
just something simple like that and if they say I definitely don't want to talk you're like okay <laughs> but but I think for me at least it's important to get to know the person that you're talking to that sentence that I just shared changes depending on who you're talking to but for me at least that's what being understood is all about um it's about someone observing and noticing and 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 questioning certain choices that you're making people who don't just let you like live in that survival persona but question like hey are you okay like you're not you're not acting like your safe self you're acting like your scared self and that to me is such that's that's the gift of friendship but this this <laughs> this episode i'm kind of getting carried away this episode is not about the gift of friendship um although i totally should and could make a podcast episode about that but this this episode is about personas and (laughs) um and uh survival personas are definitely a real a real thing i think um that a lot of us experience and sometimes sometimes still experience but being able to put that that survival persona to rest even if it, you know, wakes up again. Being able to get in the habit of being like, you're safe, I'm safe, I'm, I am, I'm secure, I'm okay, um, is, is really beautiful. Now, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily come with like no consequences. I think that like, because we make friends based on our survival personas, When we decide to put those personas to rest, um, it can cause other people to feel like they don't know us anymore, which is true. Like, you haven't probably met my, myself. (laughs) I've barely even met myself. So I don't, I don't fault you, I'm talking to some proverbial you, for not being familiar with 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 who I actually am um and I also think it kind of weeds out people that aren't for you uh but people are like you know you switched up uh, I remember where you came from I remember who you used to be and you're acting all fake now it's like yeah I mean I <laughs> I am acting differently than than who I was I think it's a good thing though I'm gonna make mistakes too like when I'm trying to get out of this survival persona i'm gonna i'm gonna make mistakes probably every single day but it's really important to to be with people even if it means like being alone for a while until those people are are available made available to us or we find them or however whatever language you want to use for that um i think it's really beautiful then to be able to meet people who are understanding like you're a human i'm a human you make mistakes i make mistakes you know, that's just the way it is to bring Tupac into this situation. Oh, God, I'd love to meet him. Anyway, anyway, I'm sure he would have so much to say about this. Oh, man, I'm sure he'd have so much to say about this. Um, I think it's, I don't, I think it's okay to not always be recognizable by the people who felt the most comfortable with our survival personas. I'm just going to leave it there. The next persona that I want to talk about is 
um, this persona that participates in the public. It's not the next step in personas. It, this is not the persona that you uh, take on. This is not like you take off the mask of your survival persona and put on the mask of like participating in public. I think sometimes we have both masks on at the same time. I do think sometimes we put down one mask and pick up another and like do that dancing game. Um, but the burp. excuse me um but this persona is just it's just a little different there's some different like nuances to it there's definitely similarities uh to these personas for sure um but there's also to me like really key differences in these with this kind of uh is very social media based uh i said that really funny social media uh that brings back a really funny repressed memory from high school. <laughs> With this social media-based uh, culture that we live in, and not just in the United States, definitely not just in the United States, um, yeah, everywhere, damn near everywhere, um, I think we have on this public persona a lot more often than maybe was necessary in the past. I, again, I don't think that that is necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think especially as we're growing up, we are experimenting with a lot of different ways of being in the world, different ways of being safe, different ways of finding out what's true to us, and just different ways of socializing. Like, oh, this person does this when I do this. And it's not calculating. I think it's just like learning more about the world. Um, feel free to disagree also. I'm going to say this. What I'm saying is not like objective reality <laughs> this is fully subjective reality about the way that i see the world and the way that i've come to understand myself i'm not really talking about you i'm not honestly even concerned with uh how you view me based on what i'm saying because this is just this is just real to me this is just this is my real take on being fake <laughs> I love making things rhyme. It's very fun. Um, but yes, yeah, since we're in this like very social media based based world, I think it the public persona is utilized a lot more than than in the past, and um, it's not just uh, the public persona is not just tailored to social media. The public persona is also about literally how we uh, are able to do our jobs and perform the different roles that we have to perform in society to to do our jobs. For example, um, actually, I'm not going to get into examples just yet because I have a couple more things that I want to say, such as the similarities between survival personas and participating in the public persona. Um, similarities definitely are that we are always participating in the public, like whether uh, it's a survival persona or not. When we talk to people, when we talk to literally anyone, we are participating in the public. Um, even when we're talking online, we are participating in the public. And that always has consequences. Um, not always good, not always bad. Not, and not even that good and bad have anything to do with this. But 
like I said before, different people bring out different situations in us. They bring out different personas, if you will, different parts of our personality. And uh, that's that's a pretty big uh, similarity to me, at least. It's, it's a big similarity to me. And get my notes out real quick. And a big uh, difference to me is that, um, like I said, public personas are, they more arise out of the job or the role that we have in society. And survival personas uh, are more about uh, how we are able to get to know the world around us, how we observe people treating people like us, um, how deeply we care about how other people think of us or how deeply we don't care about how other people think of us. I think it all informs our, our personas of survival. We're literally just learning what's implicitly and explicitly acceptable and who is implicitly and explicitly unaccepted and then trying not to be unaccepted and trying to do essentially what's acceptable. Um, or rebelling against that since, you know, we're learning it, whatever. Rebelling can definitely be a persona of survival, just like um, assimilating can. Um, I don't necessarily think that personas of survival are also only about younger people. I think they occur to me more, they're more noticeable in younger people. Um, but I was not a young, I was not a young person when that house fire happened. I was an adult and, um, it kind of made me realize like, oh, these, these survival personas just kind of pop out whenever we're dealing with some kind of traumatic situation. And then we can kind of continue living in that, uh, in that persona for a long time, maybe until we die, depending on how safe our surroundings continue to be, um, even if our even if our surroundings aren't safe, how safe we are in our bodies to to be who we are to be vulnerable. Um, I think that I was thinking about child stars the other day in respect to personas, and I think they they are reacting out of the survival persona very very often while also trying to perform their job or role that they have to. It's like wearing two masks at the same time. And those child stars that come out seemingly unscathed, like, no, <laughs> it is not easy to survive the world, period. And it's super, like, not easy to survive the world when everyone is looking at you and waiting for you to make a mistake. And I think that that kind of is carried with a lot of people, the older they get, whether they're in the spotlight or not, but I think especially if they're all over magazines and kind of being like watched like a hawkeye by the public. Um, another thing about public personas that kind of leads me into sort of examples of what one is, is that when it comes down to it, public personas to me are... Uh, ways that we can move through life with um, as much freedom as possible with the least amount of discomfort and with the most amount of um, convenience. Um, 
a natural question kind of arose for me out of this that I, I honestly hear people like asking all the time in, in different in different ways is like, why can't we just be ourselves? Like, why can't you just be yourself? <laughs> just be yourself. Like, oh my God, just like stop being this mat, like stop putting on this mask, stop putting up this wall. Just be yourselves. Like, why can't we just quote, <laughs> be ourselves? And okay, I'm going to give two examples for this. One is like a little more morbid, like, well, it's kind of two different examples, two different people, but those are a little more morbid. Um, and the other is like a little less extreme, but I think the morbid ones kind of are honestly easier to understand because they seem more sensational. Uh, but then kind of bringing it back down to like, no, we do this all the time. Uh, I'm going to hit you with the, hit you with the one, two. Um, first example, that's a little more morbid. Ted Bundy. I mean, that man had a public persona that is still alive to this very day. And it is so concerning. I am not one of those people. And hopefully I will never be one of those people that romanticizes this like weird true crime thing. Like, no, oh my God, true crime is terrifying because it's real like i know i i i will never understand this fascination with serial killers it is so creepy like those are real people that happen to those are real victims i'm not saying you should like care about like if they come back like what would they have to say to you i'm not even saying that you should like put yourself in their shoes like that is far too traumatic but my god like these people were like really like murdering people serious serially and you're gonna be fan you're gonna have some kind of weird fantasy Ugh! i just i will never get it um it's not even judging it's like why like it's genuine confusion genuine confusion but anyway ted bundy's persona um was not being some kind of like hot guy it was kind of the opposite of that uh, being very plain he was a plain like persona wise he came off as like being very plain, being very homely, being very meek and uh, and sort of like uh, geeky a little bit, but just like very plain, meek guy. And that's why all those girls pulled over because you see like a, a small, meek, you know, plain guy on the side of the road who like needs help. I think a lot of white women feel a lot of empathy with that. And I said white women for a reason, okay? And I'm not taking it back. Um, there, There's some kind of like empathy that when we see, or when y'all, <laughs> I'm not gonna distance myself. There's some empathy um, when we see a man acting out of traditional patriarchal um, roles uh, because that's what, that's what like cis women are they are acting outside of this patriarchy um hopefully my god and uh they are they are influenced by it so seeing someone who could contribute to that who could oppress actively not oppressing and asking for help is is a real moment of empathy i think um and that persona was so powerful and that's a big reason why he was able to do what he did because he needed a persona that would make him move through ease in this world because being himself 
you know, a murderer, um, a sociopathic murderer is not (laughs) socially acceptable. And I don't think that a lot of us feel like our personalities, like who we are is socially acceptable. Like maybe we pick our noses. I know I pick my nose from time to time, but it's not socially acceptable to pick our nose. And so we have a persona like, I'm going to use a tissue. (laughs) Um, When our fingers are perfectly sized to fit in our nostrils. Anyway, um, you know, so being dainty in public as opposed to being, you know, a a little rough when we're by ourselves. That's an example of a persona. I'm not saying, I'm not comparing us to Ted Bundy, but he was a human. He wasn't a monster. He was a human being. And if he were to pose in every picture with, um, you know, blood on his hands next to his dead victims, there wouldn't, we, we wouldn't have Zac Efron play him in a movie uh, because we wouldn't, we wouldn't view him as some meek, timid, homely person. We would see exactly who he was, but he didn't show up as that because that's unacceptable, socially unacceptable. And he wanted to continue what he was doing. Uh, That's an example of a persona. Another example of a persona that people latched onto was R. freaking Kelly. Oh my God, did people want to die for this man. When the trials first started, people were outraged that a black man was being vilified in this manner especially by like other black women and they weren't black women a lot of them were they were girls they were underage and the way his persona honestly allowed him to live freely without discomfort and in ease in this world still making money for so long is so uncomfortable (laughs) It is so uncomfortable to me, um, but it's really showing the power that public personas can have. I mean, I remember people saying, the man who wrote and sang, I believe I can fly, raped underage girls. Yes, because his persona isn't actually him. It's a different person. It's a a mask. That's not who he is. If he were to show up with a 14-year-old girl and give her a golden shower on the red carpet and then and then statutory rape her on the red carpet people would not be confused about the persona but it is super unacceptable socially to do those things um i mean it's pretty socially unacceptable to give a golden shower to anyone uh, in public whether they're underage or not um but it's really unacceptable to be a grown ass man with a 14 year old it's also illegal like that's how socially unacceptable it is same with ted bundy and so he couldn't be that person in public and the way his public persona like actually saved him in legal trials shows how how powerful public personas are but i'm sure a lot of us don't relate to that um i don't even think relatability needs to happen all the time i think relatability is overrated um but I think having those really extreme examples of persona kind of um, give uh, people who aren't so 
outrageously so socially unacceptable to unacceptable i guess is the word um they don't i think get to the heart of the matter which is like everyone has one everyone has one um well let me clarify most people have them i'm not going to generalize i was a philosophy major generalization is is not great i know i've been generalizing a lot in this episode but forgive me most people have most people have public personas an, an example of a pretty common everyday public persona is this persona of the job or the role that we fill when you go to an interview and you see that they or audition for a role and you see that they're looking for a task-oriented, sociable, organized, um, maybe like diverse if they put that in there, person. You might show up with a very neat put together outfit and have all your files and ducks in a row. And you might wear like a Black Lives Matter pin or something if we're really gonna go there. Um, to show that not only do I meet all these requirements on paper, but I also look, I appear as though I meet those requirements. You might talk differently. You might use bigger words. You might keep things really brief. You might um, try to come up with some memory or something. You might lie. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we use the public persona. That's definitely one of them. Uh, And that's a very common everyday one. But the problem with personas is not that they exist. The problem is when we believe that that's who we actually are. When we receive validation for that persona, which makes us feel the need to continue that persona, to continue buttering up and like butching up that or I'm not butchering up, I guess I was trying to say beefing up. Ugh, love butchers. Beefing up that persona and then continuing to get validation from it, which just continues this cycle where sometimes when we get validation for our persona, our ego actually feels validated because we forget that that persona isn't actually who we are. And when someone's complimenting us, like at a job, you're like, wow, you were so focused. And you're like, I, when I was, when I woke up today, I was like, oh, I was so not focused. Like there's so many things I have to do. My brain is so scattered. But when I come to work, I put on this mask because I want to keep this job. And then our, maybe our survival personas come out and we hear our parents saying like, you know, don't ever show them who you are. You need to be who they want you to be. That's how you keep a job. And then we've got all these personas going on. And then when someone's like, wow, you're really focused, we're like, oh my God, I am. But we forget that's not actually us. And that's okay. Not all of us can be focused. <laughs> Some of us are, are really working on that. I think a lot of us are really working on that. Um, yeah. The problem is with personas is when, is when we think that's all we are. Validation is a real drug. And I say that as a sober person. <laughs> Validation is is a real drug. I've lately been trying to process my 
my need for validation um, by saying a lot of uh, what I call I am statements. So I am statements are deeper than like transitory emotions, like I am happy today. They're deeper than the role that we fulfill in the public, which is like, I'm a farmer. And they're even deeper than the habits that we perform on a, on a consistent basis. Like for example, I am sober. I am statements are more like, I am deserving of respect from everyone. Or I am safe and secure in my body. Or even just, I am safe. They can be really simple. um, Or they can be really, really deep. Like, I am patient with my mother, even when I feel like my character is being questioned. Sometimes those I am statements aren't great either. (laughs) But I think that that's what part of being human is. I think... I think like I was saying before, part of being human is being able to make mistakes, being able to witness our personas popping out or popping off and checking them being like, yo, wait, 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 wait. That is not how I want to react in that situation. And I might have already reacted like that. But the ability to say, wow, I just made a mistake and then check myself and then keep checking myself and check those checks sometimes because sometimes when I check myself, um, that's not always the <laughs> that's not always great either. But but part of being human and making mistakes and checking ourselves is also remembering that other people are doing the same exact thing. I saw this 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 like post, I think it was on Tumblr, and yes, I still go on Tumblr, that that said everyone has something in their past that if you heard it would make you crumble to the floor and start crying so we so isn't this is my part so we just we gotta remember that we have to we have to remember the humanity in other people and that starts with remembering the humanity in ourselves remembering that people who do bad things no matter how bad they are no matter how horrible and evil we might think they are they were human just like us Some people's mistakes are definitely more wild than other people. Especially if they don't check them. Especially if we let this this persona, even parts of our personality, just go wild and go unquestioned and unchecked if we keep being defensive instead of being vulnerable. If we're so worried about being good people AKA people who don't make mistakes, how are we supposed to ever find community with humanity? Maybe some people are like, I do not intend to do that. Okay, it's your prerogative, whatever. I do though. And I have to constantly remember that I make mistakes so I can be softer to myself. And then, and then that softness will be able to extend to other people. And that vulnerability that I have with myself will be able to extend to other people. And I think that's really, I think that's really important to remember. I want to say this before I close out that once we kind of start this journey of realizing and then checking our, our personas, that doesn't mean they're going to go away. 
It just means that I think that we get better at noticing our reactions and being able to check them. Excuse me. (laughs) We get better at being able to check it. Does my survival personality pop out? Yes. Yes. Do I find myself sometimes at market acting like a super jovial, happy person when I did not feel that way and I do not feel that way? Absolutely. Of course. Of course. But then I I have the wherewithal to say, yo, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. I do not want to do that. That doesn't mean I'm going to be a grumpy, crappy person that treats people with disrespect because that's not who I am either. It just means I can be I can be calm and chill. I can treat people with respect and I can be respected regardless of whether I'm feeling super jovial and happy that day, whether I'm feeling full of grief that day, whether I'm all of the above that day. I deserve to be treated with respect and I deserve to treat other people with respect. That's the nature of humanity. That's the nature of forgiving ourselves when we make mistakes. And that's the nature of forgiving other people too. But forgiveness doesn't just come about just because someone made a mistake. They have to check and question themselves too. And the same goes for us. So that's all I have to say. It was kind of an intense episode, but I'm feeling very intense and I'm just leaning into that. Thank you so much for listening and for bearing with the sounds of the bubbles breaking down and the sounds of my bath and um, my vulnerability. So thank you for listening. New episodes every Sunday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as tune in. Um, Thank you for being vulnerable every day. Um, I don't see you, but I see you. I'm not feeling you right now, but I feel you. Thank you for existing and thanks for checking yourselves. And I promise I will do the same. My God, I will do the same. You can also see my face on YouTube under the handle Presenting Genesis. New videos, two every two weeks. Let's call it that. Um, Yeah, that's it for me. I hope you all have a great rest of your day or whatever feels right to you of a day to have. Bye.